I want to spend a few minutes with you this morning uh, talking about being an ambassador for Christ. The text comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Well, we shared a couple of verses with you just a moment ago. Uh, it actually begins in verse 16 of chapter 5. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, anyone is in, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God may was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Reconciliation. What an amazing concept. Any of you ever gone through reconciliation with anyone? My wife and I have many times. I'll explain the definition of reconciliation as the sermon proceeds. It's a neat concept. It really is. And we're going to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. So... The coolest thing about this is that Paul seems to think this should be something that is compelling. Well, what is it that is compelling? Compelling is something that you believe in or accept because it is so strong. There's going to be a shower after our services this morning. There's a wedding shower. And we're going to celebrate the marriage of this young couple right over here. We're excited to have them with us today. And for those of you that have signed up for the wedding, stay and enjoy. I am compelled to stay. Absolutely. Number one, because it's their wedding shower. Number two, because it's a lovely family. Number three, they're feeding me. And I'm very excited about that. So, but, but things are compelling. I've been compelled to talk about things in the past. Have you been compelled to talk about anything? There are things going on in your life, in your world, that you like, that you really feel strongly about. And when you feel strongly about something, guess what you're going to do? You're going to talk about it. I keep seeing stuff from you. On Facebook, you keep posting stuff. And it's about church. What is up with that? Yeah, it's, you do it because you like it, yes? Yeah, well, nobody paid you to do that, right? Okay, good. So I want to make sure. Because they're not paying me to do it, huh? But I mean, we have compelling things that we do. There are things that we like. There are things that we love to talk about. There are things that we feel committed to. Paul expects this whole thing about our being an ambassador to be something that we're compelled to do. It's one of those things that you just cannot help but do. You ever feel like that? You just can't help but do it. It's kind of like eating. I mean, seriously, have any of you ever not eaten for three or four days on purpose? I mean, not like when you're sick, like you're fasting or something. You just decided, you know what? I think I'm going to drop seven pounds this week so you don't eat or something like that. Have you ever just felt compelled to not eat? And then when you finally get to the end of that time that you consider to be your fast what do you want to do more than anything else in the world? You want to eat. You don't really care what it is. You just want to eat something. You and I have to be compelled about the message of Jesus. I don't know how to get that into you. I, I don't. I, I don't know how to get it into you. The only person that can, can cause you to be compelled about anything with God and Christ is you and the Holy Spirit working through you. So the real question that I want to ask you about with this thing about compelling is, what are you doing to allow yourself to be in that state? What are you doing? What are you allowing yourself to be engaged in that causes you to want to be in a state where you're compelled in some way to talk about Jesus? That's really what I want, want you to think about with respect to this idea of, being, of something that's compelling. The scripture says Christ loves compelling. 
Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So what do you live for? Friday. If you're a working man or working woman, I promise you there's a week or two in your life where you're working for Friday to come along because you're ready to have the weekend, yes? What are you living for, though? What are you and I truly living for? Paul says Christ's love should compel us. When we understand that one person, Jesus himself, died for all people, that should be such a compelling statement, such a compelling conviction that we have in our hearts that we can't help but share that with somebody else. Because we should have a determination in our hearts and mind that, look, if Jesus died for me, he died for everybody, and I need to tell everybody. Well, how's that working? I mean, seriously, think about it. How's that working? You and I don't walk around all day telling people that Jesus died for them, do we? I mean, we truly don't. I don't. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't walk around telling everybody I see, hey, did you know Jesus died for you? They'd probably lock me up. They would lock you up too. It's not normal behavior. But what is it that Jesus wants us to do? So we have this thing called ministry of reconciliation. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against, and sins against them. So reconciliation is this process of making two people friendly again after they've kept apart from each other. I told you my wife and I reconcile occasionally. Usually on Friday because I've been out of town all week. The reconciliation about which Paul is speaking is when two people have been at odds with one another. I can confess before you and my wife, she and I have even been reconciled because we were at odds. We have been. There's an ongoing conversation right now. Is Coberto in the room? Where's Coberto Lizarraga? Did he leave? He left. Coberto has some information for you if he hasn't already shared it with you. I don't know if he's going to be here to share it with you. But we've had a compelling conversation about which we need reconciliation. Because I want to buy a truck. <laughs> and she doesn't want me to buy a truck. I don't understand this. You men who drive trucks, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, you get, you can, you can relate. And you women are probably thinking, yes, Lynn, stick to your guns, don't let him get it. <laughs> We've all had conversations similar to those kind of things in our relationships with people. And as silly as that sounds, and it is silly, and someday I'll buy a truck again and then she'll beat me up and we'll get to reconcile again. But I'm just saying, as silly as that sounds, there's a much greater type of reconciliation that we are engaged in. And it's bringing people who have been separated from God back into a relationship with God. Now see, all of that started a long, long time ago with this thing called Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Any of you guys remember that story? You know, they were there, they were created, all was good, it was a beautiful place, and they didn't have to work. They sat around eating blueberries or something all day. I don't know what they did, but they didn't have to do much. And then all of a sudden, they get deceived by Satan, eat the fruit, and all things change. And all of a sudden, there's this separation that comes between them and God, and we have been battling that separation ever since then. The sad part is, in our world today, there are a lot of people who don't know that there's a separation between them and God. You get what I'm saying? They don't get it. They don't really understand that there's a separation. And part of the reason is they don't know there's a separation is because they really don't know that much about God. 
They don't know that much about Jesus. Do you realize that we live in Southern California? Do you realize that there are a lot of people who are around us who they don't really go to church. They don't really have any religious affiliations. They don't really think about God so much. And if you've never really thought about God, if you've never really spent any time in a church, or if you did when you were a little bit of a kid and you walked away and you don't, even, you don't remember it, then the reality is you may not know that there's need, even a need for some kind of reconciliation with God. And so how do you fix that? How do those of us who are believers, who believe that Jesus is the Christ, who made him the Lord of our lives, who come to church on Sunday... How do we enter into this conversation with people to help them understand this thing called reconciliation? We have the ministry. We've been given the responsibility. Now, how do we do it? Well, we have to be committed to it. That's the first thing. If we are going to share a message, it is important that we are committed to the message. And I just ask you to think with me again. Is there anything about the message of the love of God in Christ Jesus, who is our Lord? Is there anything about that that compels you to have to talk about that or share that with someone else? That's step one. Then we need to be committed to that. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you know why people don't realize they need to be reconciled with God? Basically because they don't realize that they've sinned. They're not that accustomed to that language. They're not that familiar with the concept of sinning. Now they understand that it isn't appropriate to lie. You know what I'm saying? Because virtually any culture in the world that you go in, however civilized or non-civilized it may be, lying is typically not an accepted behavior. You know where I'm coming from? People just don't like it when someone lies to them. You know something else that isn't really accepted in almost every culture in the world? Stealing. Do you realize that most people don't like to have their stuff taken by someone without permission? They don't like that. Go into a cafeteria. Bunch of little kids. Just go to the elementary school. Go, to, go watch the cafeteria. You know this because you've seen this. Just see what happens when a kid takes this, the cookie off of somebody else's plate. Just watch. I don't care if that kid goes to church or not. There's going to be a, a, a mess, a hot mess, because one kid took another kid's cookie. Okay, it happens. It happens even in your job. There might have been something that was on your desk that someone took. Maybe they didn't mean to take it. Maybe they did mean to take it. But it's missing now, and you're upset because your stuff is not where it's supposed to be. You know where I'm talking about? That's the world we live in. You know what stealing is? It's a sin. But we don't call it sin at work because that would sound weird. It would just sound weird to say, hey, you sinned, you stole my pencils. That just doesn't sound right. And, and then there's this whole thing about cheating. We give all kinds of tests. We take all kinds of tests in our lives. We take tests from the time we're in school until we get out of school. We get to take tests for driving tests. We do all kinds of tests. And, and no one will allow you to cheat. They just won't let you cheat. 
I get people licensed in the insurance business all the time. That's my job. I recruit people. I send them through a course and I say, go take the test. You know, when, they go, when you go take the test, they won't even let you take your cell phone in the room anymore. They're afraid you're going to cheat. You know what cheating is? Cheating is a sin. Isn't it interesting how many things in the world that people recognize as being somewhat of a violation of their personal rights and they understand that, they don't like it at all, but they don't realize where it really comes from. Well, it really comes from God. Because innate within all of us, within all of us, all people all over the world, regardless of culture, regardless of heritage, regardless of skin color, innate within all of us, there is a psyche, there is something about us that says, that isn't right. You can't just take that. You can't just have her just because. You can't cheat. You can't. There are all kinds of things like that. And so our conversation in the world has to take people from the generic, you're violating my rights, to recognizing that, you know, there's a reason that all of that is there. There's a reason that you don't feel comfortable with someone taking something from you. There's a reason that there are laws that penalize people who kill somebody, just randomly shoot them or maliciously take their lives. There are all kinds of reasons that those laws are there, but it all comes back to there's a God. And innate within all of us, there is a sense of what is right and what is wrong. And it's not about whether God exists. That's not a very good place to start a conversation because even though there's all kinds of science to support all kinds of different stuff, it still comes down to trust and faith. And you can't always see what you have faith in, if you know what I'm saying. You can't touch it all the time. When you think about this idea of trust or this idea of the right and the wrong and where it came from, it gives you a starting point to have those conversations with people about, hey, you know what? There is something to this thing called faith. There is something to this thing called God. There's a reason that you're not comfortable with someone taking your stuff. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because you see, in the world that we live in, when somebody takes our stuff, we come up with all kinds of remedies and we come up with all kinds of solutions and how to deal with that. But the greatest solution that's ever been offered that gives us the greatest peace of mind in our hearts and our minds comes in Jesus. And that one will blow people's minds. You're telling me that I can have peace even when I know I've done something wrong? And my answer for you is, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You mean when all of this bad stuff happens, you mean I can still have peace in my heart? Yes, you can. And it's a different kind of conversation. So what Paul calls us to is to be an ambassador. He calls us to be an ambassador. And an ambassador is an official who represents his or her own country in a foreign country. But sometimes we sing that old song that I love, This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. You remember that song, yes? This is not my home. 
Now, I actually have a passport for the United States of America. It has a passport number. I can get in and out of the country relatively easy, depending on where I'm going, coming from. But this world isn't our home. It really isn't. Heaven is my home. And there will come a day, I promise for all of us, there will come a day when we will be approaching or at that moment where we're about to draw our last breath. And we'll get to stop and think about what we've done and who we served or who we haven't served. And we'll get to think about where we're going. Because I'm not like the expression, when I'm dead, I'm dead all over like my dog Rover. That's not me. That's not who we're going to be when we die. When you and I die, we'll lie and rest in peace awaiting Jesus' return. And when he does return, we'll be resurrected from the dead. It's kind of weird, sounds flaky, sounds off the wall, sounds virtually impossible from a human perspective, but from a spiritual perspective, it's exactly what God has promised. And it's the reason that my hope is in Christ, because I want to go somewhere when this thing is over. I think there's more to it than just being here. And I think a lot of people would like to have the opportunity to think that there's more to it than just being here. You and I get to be ambassadors. An ambassador has a special role in the world because we get to represent the beliefs, the ideology, the expectation, the promises, the hope, the wonder of the country from which we come. And that is heaven. And so you and I in our meanderings around town, meanderings around work, wherever it is that we go in this great state or even in this great country, we are ambassadors of Christ. And we are sharing with others the wonders of the land where we're going. We get to share with people the wonder and the amazement and the excitement of the hope that's in us, of what is in front of us. And that's way, way different than just what we've been experiencing. For those who are in the adult class this morning, you'll recall what we were talking about, the fact that a lot of our lives are difficult. We go through challenges. There are hard things that happen. And sometimes people don't like the hard things that are happening to them. Amen? We don't like the hard things. The beauty of it is, though, <coughs> even through the hard things, we get to have peace. Even through the hardest of hard things, we get to have peace. And I don't have to understand everything that happens to me. I'm okay with that. I don't even have to know why they happen. I don't even, know, I don't even have to know what's going to happen on the other side of this thing. All I have to really know is God sent Jesus. And regardless of what may happen in this life, when it's all said and done, I have a home waiting for me. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And I know my treasures, they're laid up way beyond the blue. And there are a lot of people expecting me. There's one thing I know. I can't really feel at home in this world anymore. I just can't. I like living on a boat but I'm not going to do it forever. 
And wherever it is I end up when I'm 92 or 102, whenever the day is that I draw my last breath, I still won't really feel at home. Because I know there's somewhere waiting. It's way better. I could tell you story after story after story of people who've gone before me. They've been gone for years. And they're waiting on the other side. I saw a caption just the other day of, of what really happens when someone passes. There's mourning on our side, and there's great grieving, and there really is. And, and you and I can't really avoid that. But on the other side, there's a joyous celebration because they're saying, welcome home. Great seeing you. The coffee's on. Let's sit and visit for a while, like for all of eternity. It's cool. But do you realize how many people don't know that? They just don't know. Because no one's ever spent a few minutes with them, helping them realize that there's something so much bigger, so much greater, so much powerful than just what we have here. That's what an ambassador does. Tells about the wonders of his homeland, the joy, the promise, the hope, the possibilities, the excitement of being in the mother country. That's where we're going. And so I want you to remember that God made Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, so that you and I could be ambassadors, true ambassadors for Christ. And it's not about quoting scripture. It's not about reading the Bible on break at work. It's about just living a life that realizes that all of those things in your mind that you know are right and wrong came from someone, didn't just happen, came from someone. And our job is to help people realize where that came from. Share with them the joy, the wonder, the excitement of being in Christ. Brandon's going to come lead us in a song. I love to be in your presence. And truly, that is our ultimate goal, is that we would be in the presence of God. We would be in the presence of Christ. You can be in his presence today. As a matter of fact, we're here right now. The book says where two or three are gathered, he is there with us. So he's here with us now. But we can truly be in his presence when that day comes when we get to go to heaven. In the meantime, we're here. Let's see how many folks we can take. Let's stand and encourage one another with this song as Brandon leads us.